Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. As the number of disciples continued to grow, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So the twelve called together the community of the disciples and said, It is not right for us to neglect the word of God to serve at table. Brothers, select from among you seven reputable men, filled with the spirit and wisdom, whom we shall appoint to this task, whereas we shall devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The proposal was acceptable to the whole community. So they chose Stephen, a man filled with faith and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. The word of God continued to spread, and the number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly. Even a large group of priests were becoming obedient to the faith. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Exalt you just in the Lord. Praise from the upright is fitting. Give thanks to the Lord on the harp with the ten-string lyre. Chant his praises. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Upright is the word of the Lord, and all his works are trustworthy. He loves justice and right. Of the kindness of the Lord, the earth is full. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. See, the eyes of the Lord are upon those who fear him, upon those who hope for his kindness, to deliver them from death and preserve them in spite of famine. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening, the disciples of Jesus went down to the sea, embarked in a boat, and went across the sea to Capernaum. It had already grown dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea was stirred up because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they began to be afraid. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. They wanted to take him into the boat, but the boat immediately arrived at the shore to which they were heading. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All month long we have been emphasizing the fact that we who reject abortion, and when I say we, I am talking about the church, I'm talking about the pro-life movement, talking about priests for life and me personally. We who reject abortion and you who reject abortion, 
do not reject those who have had abortions. No, we have nothing but compassion for them. We minister to them literally every day. I'm privileged to be pastoral director of the world's largest ministry for healing after abortion, Rachel's Vineyard, and pastoral director of the Silent No More Awareness Campaign, through which those who have had abortions, have found healing in Christ, now wish to speak out and share their experience, are enabled to do so. We have nothing but compassion and love for these people. We point out all the time that the church, that the pro-life movement, that priests for life, does not stand before the world pointing fingers of condemnation. We stand before the world extending hands of mercy, of strength, of the hope that replaces the despair that inevitably follows abortion. There's no such thing as an abortion without despair. Despair leads to abortion, and despair is the fruit of abortion. But the gospel of the risen Christ brings hope. The gospel and message of the pro-life movement brings hope. It is hope because it is a person. The one who destroyed death, who destroyed sin, who rose again, not just to restore his life, but to restore ours. And we're not just talking about ordinary physical human life. He came to restore our life of grace. He came to give us a share in the very life of God. This is what conquers abortion. This is what conquers the wounds of abortion. And brothers and sisters, let's be clear. One of the goals of this Abortion Recovery Awareness Month is to convince people that there is nothing more destructive of the family, more destructive of human relationships than abortion. Mother Teresa, whom I knew, said it this way, uh, the greatest destroyer of love and of peace is abortion. Now, if abortion destroys love and peace, and Christ Jesus came to restore love and peace, that means Christ Jesus came to destroy abortion and to destroy its wounds to heal the people who have been so impacted by it. Abortion, by the way, doesn't touch anybody. Touch is too gentle a word. Abortion devastates it doesn't come anywhere near anyone that it doesn't completely uh, 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 de devastate. Brothers and sisters, this is why the church is called to be a witness of mercy and a minister of reconciliation. That's what we are called to be as priests. That's what our pro-life movement is called to be. I'll never forget the first time at the March for Life, and we began doing this in 2003, almost 20 years ago, that the Silent No More campaign, with dozens of women holding signs saying, I regret my abortion, and some men too holding signs saying, I regret lost fatherhood, marched at the front of that great gathering of pro-life people and turned the corner and people were looking at this group of courageous women and men who had done the worst thing possible 
that very evil that that whole crowd of hundreds of thousands of people were there to protest and were publicly admitting it and also publicly proclaiming that they had received the mercy of God. You know what those onlookers did? They applauded. They were not, of course, applauding their abortion. They were applauding their repentance, their courage, and their witness. The courage to say publicly that they had done such, a, such an evil, the courage to continue marching, literally marching and figuratively marching forward with their lives because that is a slap in the face to the culture of death, which is a culture of despair. Remember, the devil not only leads us to do what is evil, but then he tries to cast us down in despair because we did evil and we stand up in the light of the risen Christ and we say, no, we're going to take hold of hope. We are going to go forward with our lives. We are going to say that, yes, even though I destroyed the plan of God for this child, or perhaps for several children, God's plan for me has not been lost. I still have a hope. I still have a future. This is the kind of hope and mercy that we at Rachel's Vineyard work to impart to others and that many abortion healing ministries seek to impart to others. And that's the work that our friend and colleague Vicki Thorne was involved in. We worked closely on many occasions with her to proclaim that the doors of the church are open, not closed. You see, one of the terrible dimensions of grief and despair that people who have had abortions wrestle with is that sense that God doesn't want me anymore. The church doesn't want me anymore. The doors of the church are closed. I can't even go in there physically or, or spiritually. I can't go in there anymore because I have done the most unthinkable, horrible sin. And you know, in, in a very real way, abortion is so bad, it is unthinkable. You know, God Almighty said uh, through the prophet Isaiah, can a mother forget her own child? Be without tenderness for the child of her womb? It's like God is looking for the most extreme example of a lack of love. And if it's God looking for it, you know he's going to find it. And he uses a mother forgetting her own child as an extreme example of a lack of love. And then he says, even if she should forget, even if love should so disappear from humanity, even if a human heart should be so empty and devoid of love, that a mother would forget her own child? And in abortion, we're not just talking about forgetting the child. We're talking about dismembering the child. Yet I, the Lord says, will never forget you. So that passage is proclaiming God's power over abortion, the power of God's love over the attack on love, which abortion is. That's why the gospel of life is the gospel of mercy. That's why people like Vicki and people like Dr. Teresa Burke, our pastoral associate at Priests for Life, who founded Rachel's Vineyard together with her husband Kevin, both of them pastoral associates of this ministry, 
are so, and have been for so many years, so devoted to proclaiming this message. Both Teresa and Kevin and also Vicky backed up what they were saying with solid research. That's what so many people appreciate about all this work. It's grounded in solid psychological scientific research and at the same time on the truth and grace and power of the Word of God because both go together. You don't separate one form of truth from another form of truth when you worship the source of all truth, truth himself, Jesus Christ. So our work of healing after abortion is based on science and it is based on the Word of God and there is no conflict between the two. The Word of God, of course, and the matters and mysteries of divine revelation far transcend what we can know by science, but they're certainly compatible. These ministries move on, and we in the church have to draw from this reading today the courage to proclaim that the doors of the church are open. What do I mean? We don't only have to admire and encourage the courage of those who, having had abortions, become silent no more and speak out. And not everybody is called to do that. We help people discern whether they are called to do that or not. But those who do it are doing a great service. It's an aspect of the new evangelization. But brothers and sisters, we in the church have to have the courage to risk success. Of course, whenever you do something, you have to have the courage to risk failure if you're not willing to to, to fail and you're not really fighting. And you're not, if you're not willing to fail, you're not able to win. But brothers and sisters, we have to be able to have the courage to risk success. What, what do I mean? Sometimes people are afraid, and I have seen this within the institutional church and within people who are saying to the world, yes, you know, we want to heal people from abortion, but then they're actually afraid to succeed at that because they think that they're not going to be able to respond to all the people who are going to come forward. We know that the wounds are very great. Since 1973, in the United States alone, you know how many babies have been killed by abortion? 63 and a half million. Find another cause of death that has that many victims in America. Go ahead and do the research. Tell me if you come up with anything. 63 and a half million since 1973. There's a lot of wounds out there because for every abortion, although we have to account for the fact that almost half of the abortions in America are repeat abortions that are taking place in somebody who has had an, at least one abortion before. But Taking that into account, nevertheless, we're talking about a mom in every case, a dad, four grandparents, friends who assisted to pay for the abortion, counseled for it, drove the person there. You're talking about a lot of people impacted by each abortion, not to mention the staff of the abortion facility and the abortionists themselves who are deeply, deeply damaged by this activity. There's a lot of wounds out there. Now, if we're successful in proclaiming that the doors of the church are open, we want people to come to us. We don't want people to be afraid of us. We don't want people to think we're judging them. We want people to come to us so that we can guide them through counseling, give them the word of God, impart to them the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Let them wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb, as Scripture tells us. Let them have the experience 
Rather than of being afraid, like these apostles in the boat experience, Jesus says to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. It is I who died for you while you were yet a sinner. It is I. One drop of whose blood would absolve a billion worlds of all their sin. Never should you doubt for a moment that it cannot absolve yours. It is I who would have suffered the agony of the cross and given my spirit into the hands of the Father on Good Friday, just as I did, even if you were the only one who needed to be saved, it is I who hold the keys of death and of hell and who am alive forevermore, though once I died. It is I, the judge of the world, who nevertheless proclaims that mercy triumphs over judgment. It is I, who came into this world to begin with in the wonder of the Incarnation, precisely to reconcile you to the Father. It is I who rose and ascended into heaven and said, I am going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you also may be. It is I. This is what we proclaim to those wounded by abortion, who feel so isolated, who feel so alone, who feel so abandoned. There is one who breaks that isolation, breaks that sense of abandonment, takes their hand, takes their heart, lifts them up and says, it is I, it is the Lord Jesus, the risen Lord. Now, why should we be afraid of success? But I have been told literally by people who work in the abortion healing ministries that, oh, Oh, well, we have to be careful of if we spread this message too far, if we, if we proclaim it too loud, people are going to come to us. We're not going to be ready. And then they're going to commit suicide because we weren't ready to help them. And what about the people who are committing suicide because they never heard the offer of help in the first place and never knew that we were here? We cannot be afraid of success any more than these apostles were supposed to be afraid in that boat when Jesus came walking on the water he gave a command do not be afraid it's like also after the resurrection when the apostles were fishing and Jesus said that morning have you caught anything yet and they said no we've been at it all night he says cast the net once again and they brought in such a big number of fish Notice, brothers and sisters, the words of the Gospel of John, the nets were at the breaking point. Are they supposed to be afraid of that? It's the Lord, once again today, giving us the command to proclaim the urgent invitation to come to the Gospel. You see, the invitation we give to come to healing after abortion is the same invitation that we make to believe in Christ Jesus in the first place. Are we to be afraid of success in that instance? Oh, if I proclaim the invitation too loud and too far, there's not going to be room in the parking lot of the church, and we're going to have to double the number of masses that we have, and we're not going to have enough priests to do the baptisms. Come on, folks. You've got to stop living in fear. I say to my, my, my brothers in the clergy all the time, we've got to stop being afraid of success. 
We want to have the problem of having to build a church two, three, four, ten times bigger than we have now because people are coming to respond to the gospel. So must people come to respond to the invitation of healing and hope because their wounds are killing them. Their despair is crushing them. What are we supposed to do? Oh, sorry, I don't have the personnel to help you right now. Stay crushed in your despair. God forbid that any one of us should think that way. Let's proclaim this message of healing so loud that we lose our voice. Let's proclaim it so far that we lose track of all the different places where we've proclaimed it. Let's proclaim it to so many people that every person who needs this healing hears the invitation not once, but a hundred times. The doors of the church are open. Why? Because the side of Christ was open on that cross, and he gives no limitation to those on whom he wants to pour that river of blood and water, the source of sacramental life in the church, the waters of baptism, the blood of the Eucharist, Come to the healing, my friends. Be witnesses of the healing. Thank you, Lord, for people like Vicki Thorne. Thank you for people like Dr. Teresa and Kevin Burke. Thank you for people like Janet Morana and Georgette Forney, who founded the Silent No More campaign, Janet being our executive director here at Priests for Life. Thank God for these women and the men working with them that know how to proclaim vigorously the Easter message of hope and healing. May the fruits of this month that we have observed, focusing on abortion recovery, may these fruits be many. May they multiply. May they strengthen not only those who are wounded, but may they strengthen all of us to be vigorous proclaimers of the mercy of God. My friends, let us all hear once again that beautiful message and inspire us with new confidence to run to the Lord and to run to his mystical body, the church. Let us hear and proclaim once again. Indeed, thanks to the cross, thanks to the shed blood of Christ, thanks to the mighty resurrection, the doors of the church are open. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.